This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest-growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. My name is Matteo Rizzi, the executive producer of the show, and this is episode one of three, a little over two years of uh, Breaking Banks uh, Europe. Uh, as you know, one of the formats that we have is the focus on a particular ecosystem. And now we want to come back to Portugal for two reasons. One, because uh, it's been a while that we haven't took sort of news from the ecosystem, but also because uh, this is a special sort of web summit, uh, uh, crypto two weeks uh, recap from Lisbon, where, you know, a good part of the FTS uh, uh, team and the Breaking Bank team is based. And I'm here with Antonio Diaz-Martins, one of the executive directors of Startup Portugal. Antonio, welcome to Breaking Bank Europe. Thank you, Matteo. It's a pleasure. <laughs> So, Antonio, why don't you, as usual, give us a little bit of background? I sort of uh, spied you in LinkedIn a little bit because we never had the pressure to meet in person. And, and by the way, you know, I was I was a good friend uh, of uh, uh, Joao Vasconcelos. You know, back then, you know, I it was it was a it was a good friend, uh, and I think it's you know all, always good to sort of. Uh, uh, reminding you know to everyone how like a great human he, uh, he was so i know a little bit of the startup uh, uh, lisbon sort of pattern and, and, and ecosystem and i saw you have a very particular background so you you're not coming from the startup world right i was curious hey actually uh i'm i've been connecting with startups uh, all my life because i started uh, being a consultant for accenture then moved to start up a, a, a private equity fund that also looked at new businesses and then went on uh, in banking and afterwards i uh, was a manager a general manager of a, of a family office a portuguese big family office for the last 11 years which um, also invested in startups so uh, the startup ecosystem always was a part of my professional life and it is with great um, satisfaction that i uh, since one and a half months have joined startup portugal team uh, to uh, follow up the, the work done by the previous uh, the previous uh, direction, the previous board of directors. Uh, we are now entering a, a new cycle for uh, Startup Portugal. I think it was funded, founded in 2016 by João Vasconcelos, as I told. He, he left a great legacy in what relates to startup world and entrepreneurship uh, community in portugal and the first years were highly uh, 
dedicated to put startups and entrepreneurship on the first priority of the economy in Portugal. And I think that was made with uh, success. Uh, the coming of Web Sim Summit to Lisbon was also a part of, of this work. And uh, uh, we are now entering a phase where uh, we, Startup Portugal, want to uh, develop and want to be maybe a, a scale-up and to have additional resources and do uh, new projects with uh, new capacity uh, based on, on the good work that has already been made until now. It's, uh, it's great because you can give both a sort of uh, the perspective on how the startup ecosystem has evolved, but also how the, the, the capital, you know, dedicated to startup has, has evolved. Because, uh, uh, you know, that I, I remember I moved to Portugal in officially in 2016-17. And, uh, you know, back, back then, the, the vertical... Uh, Certainly in fintech, uh, it was not like uh, any sort of VC dedicated to fintech to start with. Banks were, you know, a little bit uh, looking at, you know, what to do. Uh, of course, as you said, as you said, the fact that the startup culture was pushed very, very hard. Uh, the, the, I believe that, uh, and, you know, thanks to the Fidzai, if you want to, of the, of the planet, you know, the, the spotlight was, was, was on. But how do you think that the, the, the investment side has, uh, has evolved and how, do you, how would you picture the situation right now? Well, I think uh, we are in good shape uh, because even uh, with the pandemic, uh, investment in startups never been so high in Portugal as now. We just reached a goal of 1 billion uh, United States dollars of investment year to date. Uh, 2021 in startups in Portugal, which is more or less the double than uh, what it was made last year. And really, I think uh, startups are uh, becoming to be much more attractive to uh, investors than previously. Um, I think traditionally, um, invest traditional investment investors uh, and funds were a little bit afraid of the startup world and they were a little bit defensive and one of the missions of startup portugal is uh, to get them closer to to this world and and not being afraid of it and i think we have a role there but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of has already been made and the, the results of uh, higher investment in startups and entrepreneurship in the last uh, years uh, is really a proof, uh, a proof of that. We have uh, been connecting with uh, the startup world uh, permanently. Uh, as you know, we are a part of the Web Summit uh, organization in what relates to uh, taking start Portuguese startup there and supporting the participation of startups in in Web Summit and once again this year with a program that we developed Road to Web Summit, we have supported a hundred startups to be Portuguese startups to be present at the Web Summit, and and this is this was a, really a, a success because uh, not only. Uh, because of the huge 
participation of, of, of the startups, but because we are seeing that unlike the previous years and the beginning years since 2016, we are seeing startups from all over the country, not only Porto, not, not only Porto and Lisbon uh, and Coimbra uh, and Braga are participating. So we are seeing startups for 21 regions of the country, which is a lot being a small country. Um, we are seeing startups from several areas of businesses, 26 areas of businesses represented in this 100 uh, startups, so that's very significant. And we are seeing much more women uh, as founders of these startups. So by this, this uh, sample of, of startups that we see, um, uh, that we are uh, supporting, uh, we can see a little bit of the evolution of the ecosystem in Portugal. Uh, additionally, we have a network of 160 incubators and accelerators all over the country uh, that we coordinate and we manage here at Startup Portugal. And the feedback and the inputs that we have from that network is really enthusiastic about the interest that um, different regions of the country uh, have been requested and have been spotted by uh, external investors and external companies to move their resources to Portugal. And that is a really good news uh, that contradicts a little bit this terrible one and a half year that we have been uh, passing with the pandemic uh, because um, maybe the location and the regional uh, location is not such a, such a big as a problem uh, as uh, in the previous days before pandemics and really uh, external investors and external uh, comp corps are really looking to the whole country and not only to Lisbon or Porto and Braga and Coimbra. So I think that's a, a, a quick picture of the, of the startup ecosystem that we have, in, have been seeing in the last year or two um, developing, and I think uh, uh, it's great news uh, because the, the, the evolution is really on the positive uh, uh, side. Antonio, do you think as well that uh, sort of the, the, the mentality of the entrepreneurs is, is evolving? And I'm asking because I often sort of compare uh, the Portugal uh, startup scene with Israel, okay? Which is it's for, for two very different reasons, of course, because Israel is more focused on, you know, certain verticals. But the reason why I make this, uh, uh, this parallel is that uh, usually, you know, no startup uh, is interesting, uh, you know, capital-wise in terms of investment uh, if uh, they would only focus on a Portuguese market. That's right, by definition, because Portugal is a small market. So is, is it that the fact that uh, this evolution is, is done also by a sort of a switch of mentality where, you know, indeed entrepreneurs, they understand more and more that, uh, you know, it is actually an opportunity to have quick access to resources, being, being a place where, you know, developers want to actually come and, and move, where actually resources are... Uh, extremely bright in terms of, uh, and yet uh, at the more affordable cost that in the rest of Europe, because we have to, you know, say the things as, uh, 
as they are. So how about that mentality switch? And do you think that both investor and entrepreneurs are sort of uh, come to terms with that, with the fact that even if uh, this is a rather small ecosystem, uh, really, you know, you can you can perform here investment without borders. Yeah, you're totally right. I think there are two main words about startups that we have to take into account, uh, which is innovation. It's absolutely paramount, uh, the importance of innovation. And I think the second word is talent. And in those two fields, I think the mentality and the, the the presence and the importance of Portugal has been rising uh, absolutely in a, in questionable way in the last in the last years. We uh, saw a big movement of uh, uh, talent leaving the the country uh, five years ago, six years ago, to um, to corporations and to and to outside and to exterior markets. Uh, and I think the, the question has arised as uh, in, in these times with the remote work and with the possibilities of recruiting all over the world, the best talent, wherever he, it is, uh, I think moving back to Portugal and coming back to Portugal is a really great option. And we see because Portuguese talent that were fixed uh, abroad started to see uh, foreign uh, talent wanting to come to Portugal to develop uh, its activity in uh, this country. So why not the Portuguese people coming back again and start doing that in their own country where they speak their language? So I think it's a movement that uh, we have seen is the coming back of Portuguese talent, of Portuguese business, of Portuguese founders that are, are wanting to come back and a, a, bigger, a bigger interest in foreign companies to recruit and to uh, select talent uh, that lives and that uh, works uh, through and in Portugal. And I think that is because we really have the skills, we have magnificent conditions, weather, uh, culture, uh, sun, beaches. I think we have really... Uh, excellent conditions to attract people. And uh, in what relates to talent, we have uh, another thing that you mentioned, and it, it is really a, a critical point. It's because I think we are born with a mentality of uh, looking uh, to the whole world as the necessary market of expansion from day one when designing a new business, because nobody can start up a business in Portugal, just dedicating a, a scalable business, let's say, just dedicating uh, their efforts only to the Portuguese market, because it's not possible, because we don't, we don't have enough size of market to make uh, a, a business scalable. So from the inception, from the beginning, a new idea has to be directed, directed to uh, international markets. So we have that flexibility, we have that mindset, and I think that is uh, really appreciated by uh, all uh, companies around the world when they want to, to come uh, and, and uh, attract the Portuguese talent. We also speak very easily foreign languages. I think we are the seven most proficient English country in the world because from from youngs, um, youngsters, we, we, we really 
give English education to our to our children, and we are uh, very close to uh, United States geographically and historically, and also to the United Kingdom, and and um, doing businesses and and and, and obviously. Uh, doing uh, transactions and 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 uh, connecting with them, and so those are uh, truly uh, differentiating points and advantages that we that beneficiate us when comparing to uh, similar conditions in 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 other countries. So absolutely, uh, and 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 actually, you know, before before. Uh, maybe diving a little bit into more like the fintech and the financial services space. You know, when, when you were mentioning about the fact that uh, solutions are by default designed to go abroad, I think that there is uh, something else that, uh, in my opinion, has been I, I've seen developing a lot, which is this identity of uh, lusophone uh, countries, you know? So, like... Uh, Cabo Verde coming to Web Summit and having a startup cluster. And, uh, you know, Brazil. I've been... I, Brazil, the same thing. I saw the plane. Uh, or like going, you know, the, uh, I spoke at the, the digital, the Angolan Digital Summit, and, you know, fintech was a huge was a huge focus. Mozambique is doing a fintech revolution, but most of... I'm sorry, a fintech regulation and a lot of uh, sort of... Uh, Portuguese uh, uh, entrepreneurs are actually there because they want to like... Uh, there is a, this uh, sort of uh, uh, Portuguese-speaking uh, ecosystem uh, is, is becoming a thing. You know? this, is what it, it's, this is what I perceive, and, and I believe it would be smart to actually invest even more, in, especially because if you bring Brazil into the picture as well, you have an, almost an untapped and an innovation early stage ecosystem that uh, it would be smart to invest on, don't you think? Um, totally. One of the efforts this year in Startup uh, Portugal um, or, organization of its presence in the Web Summit was really to connect with uh, Portuguese-speaking countries, namely with Brazil. We had, uh, we had uh, more than 200 startups coming from Brazil uh, that connected with Portuguese startups by, by our um, intervention, by, by our promotion. Uh, and I think there's a lot to do in, in, that, in that field. Uh, I have been talking with uh, Brazilian uh, government uh, representatives. They are really eager and uh, really enthusiastic of learning things with, with us and from our experience because they are uh, a huge country, a huge market, and maybe some things that we have here in a smaller scale, like the incubators network, like Startup Portugal being an independent association, very close to the government, but also very connected with with the entrepreneur ecosystem. They, in a much wider and, and bigger country, have more difficulty and. In implementing from 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 zero, so they want uh, really to learn from us, um, and I think they are uh, very um, enthusiastic. You, ultimately, in the last years, there's a, a big movement of Brazilians coming to Portugal to develop their own businesses, 
um, and I think they are enthusiastic about this relationship with Europe via Portugal, because that is the way we are seeing we are being seen by all the other African and American uh, countries that speak Portuguese uh, as a gateway of entering a European market. Uh, and I think we can be very useful uh, in that. Uh, and, and it's a, it's an advantage and, and, and it's a, a, a competitive, let's say, advantages that we have uh, when comparing with, with, other, with other countries. I think also within Europe, we have a lot of things to do. And recently, uh, the government launched an, uh, an initiative, which is Europe uh, Startup Nation Alliance, which will be um, will be had uh, the head office will be in Lisbon near Web Summit. It was launched this year, and uh, it will it will be participated by 26 EU countries. Uh, and each country will de de designate their own representatives and their own uh, startup associations locally. And Startup Portugal is going to have a role and a contribution, a big contribution also uh, in, that, in that field. So I think we have, for one side, to do our homework in, in Europe, to make Europe a really addressable market to each new business, to each entrepreneur, and to be uh, easily reached when somebody startups, starts up a business. Because unlike American, like Brazil, when you start up a business in one country in Europe, sometimes it's difficult to scale up and to develop to other European countries. And we don't want that to happen because we want that the 450 million uh, markets that we have in Europe can be uh, easily addressable and available to each startup created in Europe as the American United States market is available for any startup in, in the United States and as the Brazilian market is available for any new startup venture in Brazil. So I think we have to do our homework in Europe and we are trying to do that and Portugal uh, had a big role in the European Union to start up this an, a, a alliance that will is going to facilitate and to do uh, this whole unique uh, European market more reachable and more available to each new venture uh, in, in, in European uh, countries. And we have to do also the bridge to other countries that want to come to Europe and that speak our language and the Portuguese speak, spoken countries, uh, the Portuguese speaking countries are obviously a natural, a natural uh, point of contact uh, to us and with Brazil and in, with African countries, we are already doing that. And, and it's actually a good transition for the last thing I want us to focus on in this conversation, which is a, a specific sort of vertical on financial services, okay? Because, uh, you know, in, in Portugal, neobanks uh, are sort of uh, the foreign neobanks uh, coming in, you know, the, the, with, here there is plenty of Revolut and number 26 clients and, and but it, Portugal, in my humble opinion, as a sort of a fintech guy with the vision of a little bit uh, uh, everywhere else, it's, it was and it is pretty much uh, dominated by banks, the financial services innovation, until, until the past two or three years. 
And Portugal is actually extremely advanced in terms of, you know, uh, um, ubiquitous payments. You know, the, the MBA sort of uh, aliases type of payments is, uh, to me, is, uh, is a foster child, you know, to like uh, including everyone in the system. But if we take actually the, the, the fintech ecosystem that expands indeed into uh, Lusophone uh, Africa, for example, you figure that there is no neobanks or very little sort of fintech-friendly regulation in other Portuguese-speaking countries. And I wonder, you know, what are the opportunities here, right? Because, uh, you know, we all know that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the lending space, there are a couple of Portuguese uh, uh, companies that are leader in this but they are less but they are maybe less funded by international VCs they are doing really well but everyone knows like the non portuguese lending companies um, or for example you know here is you have a lot of giants startups that are outsourcing and start the sort of their IT platform here, you know, for the very good reason that we that we mentioned earlier. I still I am still missing, you know, what fintech is doing for real here in Portugal. You know, it's a I I I see the I see the fintech house, uh, you know, I see good signs, you know, but that's my that's my personal opinion so far. There is a lot to do, but that may be my perception. No, I think you're right. I think it's an area, uh, traditionally, the, the financial system in Portugal was during a lot of years very conservative. Uh, we had one thing that differentiated us from the, the international markets, which was an inter-banking company association that is called SIBS, that is transversal to all uh, the system, and I think that it that it was a good thing to happen because it it made uh, focus on developing new technology and new uh, software and new possibilities that would uh, be participated and directed to all banks working uh, in Portugal. Um, but I think some uh, additionally to that, some specific projects are uh, being developed that can. Uh, make this this area more dynamic in the future. Uh, we have some Portuguese funded comp founded companies that then went abroad and then to the states, like Encourage, that uh, works in that in that area, namely in, in cryptocurrencies. Uh, we have also some new approaches to lending uh, with small Portuguese uh, fintech companies like Reis. Uh, that also reinvented the way to to direct lending to small companies that didn't have uh, the interest and uh, from banks from traditional banks because of their uh, supposed higher risk of credit and it, it has been proven that uh, in, in case for instance of raise the the um, the delinquency rate is really low uh, when you are able to manage and to look through things and to analyze uh, corporates and corporate risk in 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 uh, a very complete and professional way. They have 
they have a delinquency rate of only about 1.5%, which is nothing. Uh, and so uh, I think we are doing something, uh, but there is uh, a lot of work yet to do, still to do ahead. Uh, and it's a, an area of, of, of uh, high uh, potential development in the future. Um, we can also see the, the examples of what is happening in Brazil, which are very, they, they had to do in, 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 the, in the fintech world and in the financial world, they had to develop a lot more quick uh, than, than us, than, than us in Portugal, because historically they struggled a lot in this area and they had to improve themselves, their capabilities in this, in this area much quicker than, than we. Uh, and so uh, I think it's one of the areas where uh, we uh, can still uh, develop and still increase uh, the number of projects and the number of, of, of new ventures. Uh, but I think traditional banks are um, really having uh, somehow a difficult time because their model and their legacy and their historical uh, issues uh, sometimes uh, don't let them be so aggressive and so uh, flexible and so innovative in their offers. So we have to let that to startups and to entrepreneurships in that area. Uh, to lead the the, the way uh, ahead, so I think it's it's an area of, of future growth that we are going to see in the next years, really uh, being developed here in Portugal. Uh, which might be the reason why the whole crypto and blockchain ecosystem is so flourishing here, right? Because it is almost if uh, the most radical innovation in financial services, sort of. Uh, uh, got the got fertile uh, uh, ground here in Portugal. I was actually trying to um, remember the, the name of, uh, you know, Marco Nigris is, is now the, he's also working on a startup that does lending uh, through crowd, crowdfunding through, uh, through blockchain. The, the name, the name escaped me of the, of the startup, but uh, because you see all this, uh, uh, blockchain ecosystem in the in in the country and we sort of witnessed the fact that in the past two weeks right now sort of uh, overlapping the web summit and the whole week uh, uh, later there were uh, you know probably a dozen of crypto events you know and and if you go to lc to lc factory you see all this uh, you know uh, crypto guys uh, uh, you know walking and going to the solana event uh, or uh, you know to the binance one and you know it was actually super super bustling is is that because uh, you know what what's motivating that is is that both a sort of crypto friend, crypto friendly ecosystem is you know how many people i talk to how many like uh, crypto holders they say i just want to move here because uh, you know, this is it, because as as the mother of digital nomad community, you know, Portugal seems just to be a natural gathering from them. But what else? What else is there? Yeah, I, you're right. I think um, we still are struggling a little bit with regulation issues, and uh, uh, it's really a, a challenge for uh, those types of projects to start up and to be retained in Portugal. So we see a lot of uh, 
initiatives going uh, starting in Portugal and growing abroad where the, the, the regulation issues and and uh, this type of, of barriers are are more flexible and are more developed. So I think that is uh, something where we have to work uh, in Portugal to improve the, the environment and the conditions to develop that uh, that that sector and that that uh, that area. Uh, but yeah, I think we have conditions uh, in terms of knowledge, in terms of skills, in terms of talent. Uh, already uh, some specific projects that already shown us that um, either in regu tech regulation, cybersecurity, alternative financing, in payments and money transfers, lending, credit, I think a lot of areas that you have specific Portuguese initiatives that show that something is really uh, uh, being done. Uh, but I think there's a lot of a, a lot to go ahead and a lot to 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 be done in the future. And I think in 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 that that area, uh, European Union regulation, Portuguese regulation, and uh, really has to step ahead and has to facilitate the conditions to to start up this type of of, of sector and businesses. Antonio, our uh, our time is up. Thank you very much for being with us. And you know, we are all watching closely the evolution of the ecosystem because you are just here. You know, I mean, Estoril, like only twenty kilometers from uh, from uh, from Lisbon, but. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward for the, you know, for the for the result of the great work that uh, you and the team uh, are actually going ahead. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Matteo, very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's a wrap. Fintech Stage builds innovation ecosystems. We engage incumbents, investors, entrepreneurs, technology partners, and regulators to build trusted and connected fintech tribes around the world. We firmly believe that innovation in financial services will improve people's lives. Through our immersive programs, we connect global industry experts with local financial services communities to explore, challenge, and solve important issues related to fintech, regtech, insurtech, artificial intelligence, identity, and financial inclusion. The good news is that we have done it before. InnoTribe was the first and largest fintech movement worldwide, and our founders were amongst its orchestrators. We build programs with a wise combination of formats, partnerships, and content. It is experience-based, tailor-made, and proven to deliver results. Visit us at fintechstage.com or feel free to send an email to operations at fintechstage.com for more information. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe, episode 103. Web Summit episode focusing back on Portugal. I'm here with my friend and neighbor, almost Pedro Vieira. We are both physically living in Portugal, but probably have one of the most international background that you might imagine. Pedro, really welcome to Breaking Banks Europe, my friend. Thank you, Matteo. Thank you for having me. So why don't you give us a little bit uh, uh, of your own background? But, you know, investor sort of cuts it, right? But gives a bit more of color. Sure, sure, sure. I'm indeed an investor, but I, was, I, was, I had many lives before that. So I'm Portuguese born, but then matured in the Bay Area, spent 15 years in Silicon Valley, 
as a grad student and then as an entrepreneur, founded a company in the digital health space, helping people buy healthier, safer products. Terrific experience, backed by two top VCs, learned a lot. Um, and we exited that company in 2012. Uh, and since then have been helping founders in some way, shape or form. So initially or right after that exit with Good Guide, was the name of the company, we, we set up a nonprofit called westwest.org that bridges between Portugal and Silicon Valley, helping entrepreneurs, Portuguese entrepreneurs and businessmen and women to go to Silicon Valley and learn about what's, uh, what's happening there and then try and connect them with funding sources and whatnot. Uh, after that, I uh, came back to Portugal again after those 15 years and joined 500 startups to help them with all their capacity building initiatives in Europe and Africa. And then about a year and a half ago, uh, joined Shilling.vc, uh, which is an early stage investment team in Portugal. We, we launched our first institutional funds uh, very recently. Uh, it's going to be a 45 million investment fund for pre-seed and seed tickets. We invest in a sector agnostic way and uh, we invest from Lisbon to the world. That's a long introduction. Great, and no, it's a, it's, it is actually needed and it's an amazing segue for actually the first thing that I want to talk about. So we were talking with Antonio of the fact that uh, VC money seems to definitely have uh, hit uh, Portugal, right? Uh, you know, we passed the billion dollar investment, but I'm curious to understand uh, what are the gaps, you know, because it, it, clearly you're focusing on, on, on seed and, and, and early stage. I assume that, uh, you know, is the seed and early stage with European measure because we see like a 20 million seed in the US. I don't think we're that crazy here, but give us a little bit of the, of, of the picture of the different... How covered or not covered are the different stages? And if we can focus on, 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 on fintech a little bit, even better. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. So, so in terms of quantity, uh, I can tell you from experience, uh, having launched Chilling uh, Founders Fund and, and actively deploying capital in the last six months or so in Portugal, that the, qual the quantity of the deal flow is much higher than we actually had initially forecasted. To give you a feeling, I think in 2019, 2020, maybe the team was looking at 200 deals, 300 deals a year. And now we're doing that amount on a quarterly basis. Uh, obviously, we're also looking a little bit more outside Portugal than before. But still, uh, there is a clear upswing in the number of deals. Uh, in terms of quality, also very interesting what we're seeing because Portugal, and maybe this connects to some some of the other things we'll talk later, uh, is becoming really, really international. And so we are starting to see many, many more uh, multi-times uh, entrepreneurs. I don't like to call them serial entrepreneurs, but people who've built companies before and now are building uh, another one. And they decided that Portugal is the, the place to do that. And so that is adding, I think, quality to the, to the deal flow. Not that there's no Portuguese funds or Portuguese founders of quality. There are, for sure. I'm just saying that now you have diversity and you have quality uh, in what we're seeing. Um, and are they expensive or not, to your point on valuations? Um, uh, yes, yeah, certainly there's still a gap between Europe and Southern Europe and, and Silicon Valley, for sure. 
but I can tell you the gap is closing really quickly uh, because the the capital has always been global, but now more so than ever. The pandemic definitely changed things. The Brexit definitely changed things in Europe. And, um, and good founders now are setting up shop wherever they want, but the pools of capital are available for them uh, regardless of where the capital is. And so a good founder in Lisbon or Porto these days can actually go raise easily from Berlin or London or San Francisco investors. And the valuation is going to be set by those markets. And so the Portuguese investors or whoever is in, like outside these three uh, hubs that I talked about will have to play along those rules uh, or add some extra value to justify a lower valuation, which is indeed what uh, we try to do with Shilling. I understand that this uh, sort of uh, uh, uniformity, you know, or, or ubiquity of, of opportunity in terms of uh, finding investment. If you, you know, we had the sort of the same conversation with some PC in Italy, and uh, they were saying that uh, uh, Italian ecosystem is not uh, uh, sort of uh, very dissimilar from the Portuguese one uh, for you know for a lot of reasons, and they were saying that typically they were lacking uh, 10 to 20 million tickets from Italian investors, you know, that they know the market, they can relate, that they have, uh, you know, local ties with potential partners. Is that the same case here? I would assume so, right? Yes, uh, it's true. So if there is uh, a segment or, or, yeah, a segment or a stage that still lacks uh, enough capital in Portugal might be, you know, the Series B and onwards, um, this is, uh, but, you know, to my point of global, global investment these days, it's not as big of a problem anymore. I think that it is easy for a company or easier for a company in Southern Europe to go raise a series B from, uh, investors in, in other European hubs or, or San Francisco or New York, uh, uh as long as the metrics are there, but, um, to actually have uh, fun, to have funds in Portugal do Series Bs and Cs, we have some, uh, but not not that many, indeed. I get it. And you know, talking about uh, the uh, you know the, the opportunities here, you know, and 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 the number of deals. Uh, if you you know, Web Summit, uh, it was over like go, but uh, in, before Web Summit and the week after Web Summit. Uh, you know, Lisbon specifically, I haven't, uh, you know, the other other big cities, but they were actually super crowded with the, the, this sort of new the crypto. Right? Many of the different tokens and, and infrastructure had their, their event here. And, uh, you know, is this like a, 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 a startup ecosystem you're familiar with? Why do you think is this? You know, don't forget that most of our auditors they are not super familiar, right, with all these like uh, ecosystem uh, peculiarities. What is it? Is that uh, like a fiscal? Is that technology? Is like the surf uh, and the uh, and the waves? You know, what is it? Uh, well, I think it's all of the above. Like it's the the perfect <laughs> recipe. You need several ingredients for these things to happen. Um, you know, people always talk about Silicon Valley and how they go, how how people could go about and replicate the model. And at the end of the day, there's always one common thread on these approaches to replicate Silicon Valley, which is it's all about the people who want to live 
in in a in a consolidated area, right? In an agri in a in a smaller small region. And they want to do so because they want to interact with other like-minded people and they like that region. Right. And I think Lisbon is proving that theory right. Lisbon and Porto and Portugal in general, because the the quality of life is terrific. The um, there is a set of public incentives for people to move in, uh, fiscal, obviously, but also in the and you know the crypto example you gave, it's it's that that is the reason, right? So no taxes on crypto right now in Portugal. Let's hope it stays that way for a while for, for most of the investors. That's good, right? Uh, or for all of the investors, that's good. But um, so there's fiscal incentives. Then there's incentives on creating the company. Uh, I just had a friend, an American friend who is considering relocating to, to Portugal, call me super excited. That it took him like less than 30 minutes to get his fiscal ID and get set up in the country. So there's a lot of uh, public uh, um, support and governmental support for this. Uh, quality of life, safety, very good place for families. And um, with uh, with the pandemic, more and more people saw Portugal as the safe haven. I mean, we are the number one in vaccine in vaccination in the country, in the world. Uh, so people feel safe for that extra reason. So all these people are aggregating around the country that's fairly small. So we can only hope like good things come out of that. And uh, you know, you mentioned the the the, the post uh, the post pandemic uh, world, right? And uh, I think it's a good message that uh, you know Portugal is giving to the world. How fast uh, you know, with the right infrastructure and the right uh, reaction to the pandemic, you can go back to more to to, uh, to normal, you know, and you know, bringing forty thousand people. You know, at the web summit uh, in uh, you know in in a week is a good sign of that, don't you think? Yeah, it was amazing, uh, and I was commenting uh, on to a friend uh, also a couple of days ago that it was the show not just of the organization, um, which was terrific, like getting forty thousand people here in person, but of the country itself, because it wouldn't be possible for the Web Summit to organize such an event of this scale if the country itself had not prepared. Again, going back to the vaccinations and have all the logistics ready for all these people. And so, again, it was a show of force from Portugal that we're here, that we're open for business. And again, it just strengthens what I was or, or reemphasizes what I was saying earlier, that people see in Portugal more and more a place where they can live um, safely. It's interesting what you what you said. Actually, uh, it, it's, it's a pretty like uh, reasonable thing to say, but uh, I never thought of uh, the parallelism of uh, People, people, you know, willing to live together in a cool place as the requisite number zero for something like a Silicon Valley to be duplicated. And I'm actually connecting these dots with something that Antonio just said earlier, which is, hey, you know, before 80% of the startups were from Porto and Lisbon. Right now, we have... Uh, 160, I think he said, yeah. incubators in oh, Portugal, yeah. you know, of startups. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, smaller sort of urbanizations that are becoming, uh, uh, you know, startup apps, you know. And how this is connected with, for example, the good and, and continuously improving uh, education, you know, sort of uh, uh, um, the education level of the country itself. 
I, I, a lot. I mean, because again, you have these uh, these new people coming to the country, whether it's Portuguese from the diaspora that are coming back, like myself and, and many other visible faces in the ecosystem these days, or international uh, people who want to come back to, to come to Lisbon and make it their home. Uh, we all bring these extra layers of knowledge and, and expertise from having done it in different markets. Uh, and that helps, you know, again, build up capacity uh, in the country. So we there will be more opportunity for knowledge transfer. And um, and people, will, I mean, peers learn from peers, founders learn from founders more than from uh, investors or accelerators, to be honest. So having more of these high-quality founders setting up shop in Portugal is, is critical for the continued growth of the ecosystem. Let's uh, put a little bit of emphasis uh, of uh, like the main vertical of this show. How hot is fintech today in Portugal? Uh, it, it's very hot. Obviously, it depends where you draw the boundary of defining what's fintech and what's not fintech. Because Great answer, my friend. Great answer. <laughs> because these days, as an investor, we can see almost 80% of things will pitch it to be a fintech, even if there are supply chain solutions, SaaS solution for the restaurant industry. Because yeah, and when you doubt it, they just say, man, embedded finance, right? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because <laughs> everyone embeds finance there and that's it. Um, but it's, it's uh, the, 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 the landscape in Portugal for fintech is very good. Uh, again, not just crypto and blockchain protocols and whatnot. Um, for one reason or another, again, maybe going back to the, all those uh, reasons why Portugal, why people decide to live in Portugal, there's more of these founders that are building things in the blockchain space, in the in blockchain protocols. Now you have even have Portuguese funds being set up just to invest in blockchain, in crypto. So um, we're seeing a lot of thing, interesting things happen. Uh, there's uh, public and private initiatives to promote fintech and to promote Portugal as a fintech hub. And I think that's terrific. We, the country tends to profit a lot from that. So, uh, you know, I was actually thinking that, uh, isn't that an opportunity here? I'm doing like a business, live business development brainstorming <laughs> on, the, on the show here. But uh, a little bit like Luxembourg, uh, you know, here you get uh, like the financial services ecosystem, the corporations and the tech who are geographically very close because you can probably visit all of them in a day in mm -hmm. Lisbon, unlike San Francisco for sure. But also the network is, is much smaller. So don't you think that there is an opportunity here for a higher degree of uh, collaboration and opportunities exploring where you bring together, I'm just making this up, uh, the mayo, like the, 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 the phone, local uh, telecom company and the bank uh, and a couple of startups for like a, uh, now truly an embedded finance experience or a building of new services, but as a, as a result of a natural extended collaboration. I mean, I wonder, it is actually a question and also like maybe like a proposal, you know, that maybe someone should, uh, should work on it closely because the opportunity of doing something like this seems to me higher here than in many other countries, uh, which ecosystems are much bigger. And is, am I 
Is my impression correct? Yeah, yeah, it's totally correct. So, I mean, in, and it's happening already. I mean, it's, it's happened in the last few years already that because we're, a relative, because we're a small country in a small market, it is fairly easy for startups to connect with the top telco or the top bank and try and do things with them, pilots, and then eventually think deal. Always uh, tell founders that are considering Portugal as their base, as, uh, as describing it as the best lab they can have so they can test the products very easily at a low cost and then be ready to scale to the world. Obviously, they have to do it carefully so that they don't over-engineer the solutions for a small market. Uh, but if they do it right, it's very easy. I mean, the CEO of the top bank is just uh, a call or two away from a top investor or a top accelerator in a company that's connected to them. Um, we'll, we'll get to, to this telco or this bank very easily. Uh, is there room for more collaboration? Sure. I mean, there's always more to, to happening. But if you look at... You know, there's stuff happening in fintech with uh, SIBs, SIBS, and in, in their in their accelerator. There's things happening inside the healthcare system with ZML and their growth group. There's things happening with Brisa on mobility. So there's there's already a lot of collaboration between startups in the industry. Uh, but obviously, there's always room for improvement. And I think the 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 investors that are smart about it now here to bring it back to Schilling for a second, uh, we'll take advantage of that and we'll be able to help their companies very easily pilot their things in a top corporate in the country and then help them scale that solution globally faster. So uh, maybe one last uh, uh, one last sort of uh, point, point of attention because I don't want to like... Uh, give the perception to our auditor that we are just, you know, blindly uh, sort of uh, uh, vouching for this country and, you know, like the new, like the new paradise. I think also that uh, there are some challenges, okay? And one of the challenges I would love you to comment uh, is the fact that the, the, the risk of having uh, a country at at least two speeds, right? So because when you when you plug a vibrant uh, ecosystem with uh, ex, uh, expats and you know foreign entrepreneurs and foreign capital plugged into a very you know part of Portugal is very traditional, you know, and uh, and uh, like uh, still like uh, um, you know. Uh, the, the, the old generations are like very far, right, from all this uh, new techno world. And uh, starting from the fact that, you know, everyone wants to stay in Lisbon uh, to a point where very soon uh, people from Lisbon, unless they own the house already, they won't afford to basically rent a place in Lisbon, you know. So, it's, and I, I identify this uh, as uh, one of the possible point of attention of this very fast pacing the transformation what what's your take on this yeah I, I totally agree and I saw it happening in San Francisco and uh, I've been talking about a lot of people in Portugal about that I think there's a lot of lessons to to be learned from cities that went exponential growth in number of people in in what happened with housing crisis and social tension and whatnot. And um, I am kind of seeing a little bit of that already happening in Lisbon and Porto, so the top cities, uh, where the prices are already going up very fast. Uh, and definitely there will be tension. Uh, and, and the government and the local governments will have to work on that. Um, but um, I think I see it as part of progress. Maybe this is my 
my my talking with my capitalist hat, but uh, but I also have lots of social uh, worries and concerns, and you know I started a nonprofit, so I'm, I have the two sides of the coin here. Uh, I think there's room to to improve. I agree with you that uh, this is not the perfect haven yet uh, for everyone, especially the local communities will have to uh, will have to adjust, uh, and and they will need support to do that. Um, and I think it's more like on the economic side and the financial side, uh, because definitely the the average income in Portugal is very low. And then you compare that to the average salary of these remote workers and uh, in digital nomads in the country is very high. So that disparity is going to cause tension. No problem. No, no question. Uh, but uh, that's economic, that's economic and financial. Socially, I don't think I don't see any tension issues, which is something that we saw happening in San Francisco and in the Bay Area uh, because of homeless, the homeless situation. I don't see that happening in Lisbon uh, or Portugal, for that matter. Portuguese are actually very welcoming to other cultures, other religions. And you even see, even if you go outside these main cities in the countryside, there's a lot of these uh, digital nomads and remote workers that are actually buying properties in the countryside. And these like small villages that were like dying because everyone left to go live in the big city now are being reactivated by these foreigners who are coming in and buying property and reviving it. So actually it's a positive thing for these pockets, right? So it's good and bad, uh, the country, the local governments will have to find solutions to make it work for everyone. Uh, overall, I'm still very optimistic about the future. Yeah, same here. Also, because uh, everything is relative, like, so, right? So, if you if you have a property here, like uh, in in the middle of the country, you're still like uh, you know, it, it's very difficult to find a place that that is more than uh, two hours away to any big city here in Portugal. You know, if you take like a Porto, Lisbon, and Faro, you know, you can't be uh, like an hour more than a hour than an hour and a half away. And being like completely isolated uh, from uh, from the rest of the world, so I think that exactly for this, uh, uh, that's why they call it the new the new Silicon Valley. But let let's hope, let's hope just that uh, it will be just the new Silicon Valley in the best uh, in the best of terms, right? I agree. I agree. I agree. Let's work on that. Pedro, thank you very much for being with us. It was a super nice chat as always. Uh, and uh, let's uh, sort of uh, uh, commit live to do it in person very soon, my friend. Let's catch up promise. next week uh, at the beach. Promise, promise. I'll be in Estoril visiting you soon. <laughs> See you. Thank, thank you, you so very much, Pedro. Me. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, guys, Bye. that's episode 103. It's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.